Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley, and his friend and colleague, Chris. Friend and colleague again. Stick oh. with it. Yeah, you can stick with it if you like, but I'm not sure it's true. Still. What, neither aspect. Are you okay, friend and colleague? It feels very formal. It's like we're in a business meeting. It's kind of, isn't it? We're doing this on Zoom. That's what all, all the businesses yeah, do on these not, days. That's not what we're supposed... We're not supposed to project business meeting for the podcast, are we? What, hot business? It's supposed to be like a chat about games, oh. not a meeting about games. Oh, all right. I've misjudged this again, haven't I? Very much so. To answer your question, I'm okay apart from a fly buzzing around. I've managed to trap it, though, so we're all right. <laughs> Oh, you have? How did you trap it? Because uh, I noticed it. It was bothering me. Oh, you noticed it as well? Did you notice me flapping yeah. around? It was buzzing past the... We've been talking for nearly an hour. It's just been buzzing past every so often. Flybys. As it were. It landed on the window, so I've closed the curtains, so it's trapped betwixt... Behind the curtains. Yeah, okay. exactly. So it will be there hatching plans to, to get me when I open the curtains in the morning. Or maggots. Oh, no, don't. I've really got to think about flies. Do you know why that is? No. The games company, I'll ask you how you are after <laughs> I've done this. The games company that we used to both work for, I once did a 12-hour shift and went home. This is when I still live with my mum. We had a, a flu that went, led to the outside world. A bird had tra- got trapped in this flu and had died. I came home after a 12-hour shift and the kitchen that the flu was part of this boiler was infested with flies crawling over every surface. So I freaked out covered the place with raid and this is slightly weird i admit in retrospect because there were so many of them i counted how many dead flies there were yeah that is weird 86 right but you could have just said there were loads of flies i'm just clarifying how many there were 86 of them uh, all over every nook and cranny of the see, kitchen this is why we're not friends and colleagues because you count dead flies but since then i've got a real thing about flies what you like to count the dead bodies of flies they, still they just set my teeth on edge they perturb me a lot Hmm, great you're gonna be well set up for when we all have to eat insects because all of the meat is is gone mm, that'd be good I'd, I'd like that as revenge on them you'd eat the flies would you i don't think people eat fly actually that's not true there's there's a community somewhere in the world who use nets to catch the tiny these tiny tiny flies that all come out on one day they ca- catch oh, them yeah. with these very fine nets and then they make them into like little burgers are they the ones that come out every 17 years because of uh... no that's cicadas they're doing uh-huh. their they're doing their thing at the moment in america aren't they i think it's the 19 year cicada right. this year it might be the 17 year i don't know but there's that's the cicada which are much bigger and much crunchier mm. and much more alien like these are mm. these are t- like tiny little mites and they catch them all in these nets tiny tiny nets make them into burgers they're so small that they get smushed when they get caught and then they smush them together into these little black discs and these come every 17 years as no they, you've put that into the conversation no these come every year on the same day oh, right, you're okay. thinking about 17 year cicadas whose mating cycle occurs over 17 years <sighs> they, they come out they mate they all then bury themselves into the ground and they live underground for 17 years and there's also a 19 year cicada that does it on a 19 year cycle which doesn't sync up with the 17 year one no ever i think wow like they, it, it's an evolutionary divergence that has occurred that's just kept them apart right on well i say on purpose but by the serendipity of evolution providence mm. but there are cicadas that just knock about every so often you hear them a lot in films and games there's cicadas in animal crossing new horizons isn't there i haven't touched that about six months so i couldn't possibly tell you to be Can honest you? no okay if you go to spain uh, they have cicadas quite frequently. They're very loud. How are you anyway? I'm okay. I'm really good. I like insects. Hey. Cool. 
Cool, cool, cool. Uh, that's it. That's that's it. I'm okay. Quite looking forward to this episode. It's going to be a slightly different one, right? Than usual because this is a uh, both a new and an old game that we're talking about today. It is. I'm going to go into it for for anybody that needs you know forewarning yeah. before we throw ourselves down that particular pipe. That's in a fly chat for today, eh? Precisely. It's this game where you take on the mantle of the first hero and fight to save the world above and the world below from a terrible demise. The first hero. Yeah. Um, no idea. From that description, I've got no idea. Really? It's a very good description. Right. There are actual characters' names in there. World? Above? I've no idea. What is it? It's Skyward Sword. It's Legend oh. of Zelda Skyward Sword. Never played it. The demise? Uh, yeah, well, uh, this is why we're doing it, because I know fully your history with the game, which I'll, I will... <laughs> Either have you talk about or I will tell everybody because you're too ashamed to tell yourself, maybe. Demise is a character in the game. He is Ganon's guys. He is the guys that Ganon takes on in this game or sort of proto-Ganon because Demise is actually the character who becomes the Ganon figure in later iterations of Legend of Zelda. So is this a prequel in the chronology of, of Zelda or is it one of those ones that just happens to exist within the, the timeline and no one knows where? Right, you've never played it. No, I haven't. As you've said. Uh, but you own it. No, you're thinking of Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess is the Zelda game for the Wii that I own but have never played. Ah, okay. I, you see, I thought we bought Skyward Sword at the same time and you never played it. No. I, I, and the reason that you wouldn't have played it is because you were trained to be a teacher at the time. No, Skyward Sword, I came around and played it at yours for about half an hour or so at some point. And I remember there was a woods with some statues, but to be fair, that can probably be any Zelda game ever. Yeah, yeah, it could um, be. Okay, well, I've got it slightly wrong, so you maybe don't need to be ashamed because I thought it was sat on your shelf unplayed. This episode is going to be me trying to talk to you about why you should play it and probably why everyone else should play it. What do you know about the game then that's probably a better place to start than where you were leading us i'm afraid there's a big bird in it there is a big bird in it is that something you've learned recently or did you already know that before i just remember being lots of hubbub and hoo-ha about this this big red bird looks big okay it's like a big pelican yeah it's called a loft wing links in it okay i feel like you're gonna be a hostile witness today for some reason i don't know what's going on with you but i i'll try and pick up the slack <laughs> sorry everybody yeah, that you, you, you're making yourself really difficult to work with I, today i have okay i have no idea about anything to describe sword at all apart okay, from that giant right, red bird okay. right well then i'll answer your questions because i thought you'd have a little at least a little bit of foundational knowledge of what skyward sword is so skyward sword is for your to answer your question directly it is actually a prequel if you like um of every single game that had been released up to that point and actually i think even now taking into account breath of the wild and a link between worlds which also came out in the inter intervening period mm. it still pred predates all of those however anuma has said that it won't necessarily always be the first game in the series at the same time this game sets up all of the archetypes that then uh, reoccur throughout the series link is the first link zelda is the first zelda ganon isn't necessarily even in it it's this character called demise but for the most part throughout the game is a, a, your main antagonist is a, a man called girahim he is quite lithe and spry and a real fencer like he he works with his with his sword like he's got a rapier that he fights you with quite a good antagonist to be honest uh, you also have this cast of characters that are around them uh there's a character called Groose, uh, who is your, who is a, like a semi-antagonist um, or sub-antagonist in it for the most most of the game, um, and then there's other ones. Uh, 
there's one that's named after the owl who appears in Ocarina of Time, and I've forgotten his name, so I'm not going to be able to tell you what his name is. But anyway, there's lots of these, in the same way that Breath of the Wild has these callbacks to yeah. uh, previous games with places being named after different characters. There's also these same callbacks or call forwards, I guess, in Skyward Sword to to previous games that have, uh, have come out in the series. Any questions so far? Are you with me? What do you mean by the first Link and the first Zelda? So we know that... Breath of the Wild takes place a great deal of time after any other Zelda game, don't yeah. we? Um, it's, we don't know exactly how long, but it's been speculated that it's sort of thousands of years between most of the Zelda games and Breath of the Wild. This takes place at the very beginning. The legend starts here. So as far as things exist now, these two characters didn't exist within history prior to Sky, the events of Skyward Sword. So they are the very first versions, iterations of Link and of Zelda. I, I'm, I wonder if you're asking this from a different point of view. So are you aware that Link and Zelda, when they when they reoccur, and Ganon, when they reoccur in different games, they are actually incarnations of the first hero and, and the first princess? Nope, was not aware of that at all. Okay, well, there you go. So this sets that all up. Is this like that whole concept about James Bond that different, when it's a different person playing it, Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, or whoever, they are taking on the mantle of James Bond. Possibly, sort of, but not. So, because so this they're is not, more spiritual. So they're not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be that James Bond in the first one. Uh, it's the same one James is. Bond in Doctor No. Yeah, it's thank the you, same. Yes. Yeah. They're agents taking on a mantle yeah. as opposed to people called James. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's more spiritual. There's more sort of reincarnative aspects to it. So the actual... The spirit of the first Link and the first Zelda and the first Ganon moves through history and re reoccurs as time goes on. So on a regularish basis, right? Uh, a new Link will be born, a new hero will be born, a new prince will be born. No, Ganon. I did not know will, that at will all. Come into existence. Okay. Well, that's that's what gets set up here. The other thing that gets set up here is that the Master Sword does not exist at the beginning of the game, and the Master Sword exists by the end of the game. Okay. So this is basically the actual events of this game from start to finish is the birth of the Master Sword. Right. Is the Master Sword presumably the Skyward Sword? I mean, yeah, it is. Ah. Yeah, it's the, you, you actually get what turns into the Master Sword quite early on in the game. It's called the Goddess Sword. And then over the course of the game, you visit various places to power it up with these spirits uh, or fires or flames or something to become the Master Sword so that it's pow powerful enough to take on this character demise. Is that the, the main quest of the game then is go from to, to different dungeons to get the, the flames to power up the sword? That's the, the sort yeah. of driving, right? Okay. That's right, yeah. So so this is, for anyone that is only familiar with Breath of the Wild, this is a more traditional Zelda experience. Breath of the Wild was so revolutionary because it, it, so it, it didn't do that. It was the first game to not do that. You have to go yeah. to this place and now once you pick up that item you can now go to this place and do this i mean i remember link between worlds did away with that to a certain extent as well but breath of the wild was the first one where it was so fast i was actually playing by sheer coincidence uh my daughter and i were actually playing breath of the wild today for the first time in months uh, she decided Great. she wants to play it so we played it for a couple of hours afternoon i'd forgotten how blooming good that game is so people might take issue with this if they were listening they might take issue with it anyway but there's a lot of a lot of the stuff that makes 
Breath of the Wild good has its roots in Skyward Sword. They were making moves at the time that Skyward Sword was being made to make quite quite dramatic structural shifts. It's just that when Skyward Sword was actually created, they just weren't ready to make the jump that they made. This right. is this is the the last game before Breath of the Wild, the last console game before Breath of the Wild. It might have slipped people's minds that that's the case because there was quite a long period of development between this and and breath of the wild there was also a long period of development between this and twilight princess which was the game previous well, twilight princess came out right at the start of the wii didn't it and this and came then this out came right, right to the end because that's yeah i so got was... i got twilight princess when i first got my wii back in january 2007 and then this obviously we're, we're gear up to next week at the time of recording and the time of release next week is the re-release of skyward sword which i'm presuming is mm. why we're, we're doing it today and that is because it's the 10th anniversary of it coming out so 2011 so it'll be about a week on on friday that it comes out, won't it? The 16th. It has resulted in a lot of people sort of re-evaluating this game. So, I, I, again, I thought you knew more about the game than you, than you seem to. So I'm going to have to sort of info dump you slightly. The game, when it came... When, when Skyward Sword came out, it came out to very, very good reviews. So it's actually still... It's got a 93... Um, on Metacritic so an average of 93 review wise but then it got absolutely hammered by people playing it because of the motion controls yeah, I, I was actually thinking why you you to understand about the motion controls I, isn't it that it's a, a one-to-one for the the Wii mode for your sword was that yeah. right yeah yeah that's right it, it got absolutely hammered for it people I've written down on my on my set of notes people lost their collective shit about <laughs> the motion controls because they did like it was completely ridiculous and completely over the top as you can probably imagine because this happens far too often yeah in this industry in this hot fit with this hobby where the mass just take it take issue with one singular thing and it overshadows every other aspect of of a particular game at any one time and whatever that thing is which usually i would say is fairly minor everyone just mm. turns against it with such poison and yeah anger it becomes vitriolic and yeah. you get things like review bombing you get yeah. things like death threats i mean I, I just can't imagine what might push someone i mean such small things I, I can't imagine how such small things push someone to do something so drastic and horrendous to another human being mm. but that is maybe in a, a conversation for another day i am sure that the death threats were flying freely when this came out because the motion controls were the apparent albatross around Skyward Sword's neck. People fixated on it to the complete blindness of everything else because everything else that the game did whether you liked or hated the get the motion controls everything else the game did was actually i would say you could argue that it's the pinnacle of zelda up to that point it is it's got some of the best bosses it's got some of the best dungeons some of the best puzzling the art style is a blend actually between twilight princess's more gritty real graphics and wind waker's slightly more well slightly more cartoonish Mm -hmm. but this is a step towards Breath of the Wild the vi- visually because you you start off at Twilight Princess where it's all gritty then you move to this which is a- actually based on impressionist painting oh nice which was what Aonuma said at the time and then you get Breath of the Wild that has got the same sort of pastel colours that run throughout mm. and it's got quite bright colours it's the sort of thing that people 20 years ago it's the sort of thing that fans apparently would have maligned it's the thing that got Wind Waker absolutely lambasted yeah. the fact that it was too bright and too cherry and too colourful. Well, Breath of the Wild comes along and it's all pretty and lovely and it's got this uh, this arty style to it which is very directly related to what happened with Skyward Sword. Wind Waker's a perfect example of what you just said because I remember when that came out that... Mm. 
everyone was was saying what before it, what, it came out yeah exactly i remember previews people saying what is this this is an absolute joke and then it came out and everyone loved it and that is now that's another Zelda i've never played but it's oh. but it's one of the Zeldas that everyone says is one of the best one of the games or one that of the, people yeah. say is one of the best like Des- it, it despite these it visuals gets higher than 48 out of 100 or whatever oh for, in the greatest games of all time right it frequently hits into the top 10 mm. So yeah, it's these things do get reevaluated. I think this is possibly, hopefully, the time that Skyward Sword gets reevaluated and seen properly. Just on that point, before we move off this about these motion controls, what is it about it, the motion controls that people didn't like? Because personally speaking, as someone who absolutely adored the Wii, I loved the games where I felt like I was part of the game, where I was using the the Wii mode to physically do something in the game. I imagine that if I had played Skyward Sword, I would have absolutely adored that. So. Why do people not? I've run roughshod through my uh, <laughs> through my itinerary here, but we Apologies. will we'll talk about we'll talk about the motion controls because I did want to touch on this because actually I think that for one I didn't have a single problem with the motion controls. I this is one of my favourite games. I love it as much as I love any other zelda game and i have been a zelda fan uh, i've enjoyed zelda for a long time it's not to say that I, d- I can't see and don't see and don't get annoyed by the shortcomings that they have and then we'll talk a little bit about them at some point soon as well but for me the motion controls absolutely were not a shortcoming of this game uh, what i heard bandied around at the time what i've heard bandied around sort of retrospectively is that people were just sick and tired of motion controls and waggle and that then fed into this distaste for playing a zelda game with waggle if you are one of those people that felt that or believed that then he kind of missed the point because to me waggle was where you just yeah threw your arm around like wave waved it inanely around in the air to to achieve something on screen and it didn't really have that one-to-one connection between the movement you made and what happened whereas in this they they were went to great pains not only to make the motion control work to the best of its capabilities but also to create scenarios in the game that meant that you actually had to use it with finesse and use it with dexterity and be very careful about how you slice down diagonally or across or stab mm-hmm. and i thought they did a very good job of that that i think is probably possibly one of the underlying things that people had just got it into their heads that the age of motion controls was over and they didn't want it sullying zelda right my personal view is this people might have been holding the controller wrong (laughs) i'm not even joking because the way you hold the controller really matters especially when you're talking about motion plus because it has to be your controller has to be facing upwards well if you turn your controller and face it sideways then all of the motions that you make are going to be interpreted by the mm-hmm. game in a different way to the, to the way you actually make them the game was expecting you to have your controller with the face up if you just did it slightly off it, it, well not even slightly if you turned your hand it, and it's kind of natural and maybe they should have thought of this but if you're holding it up say my, if you're looking at my thumb I'm showing Chris now everybody if you're if you're holding it up and your thumb is hot, is on top so imagine, press the A button imagine you're doing a, a TV remote a TV remote if you're holding it like that it's not the most natural feeling for your arm and your arm sort of actually wants to turn in slightly and if you turn it in slightly like that well then the game might get confused I was always very careful to make sure that I kept my controller facing up and as a result, I don't think I had any problems with the motion controls. So is it then, therefore, it's the fact that it's forcing you to hold it in the controller in a certain way that people perhaps to Cumbridge with 
I, I can see that being the, the no. Yes, I could see people taking issue with that and being and it being a legitimate issue. But actually, that wasn't what people were taking issue with, and therefore it kind of makes no sense to me. So yeah, that's the that's the issue with the motion controls. They fixed it in this game supposedly because there is now an option to control it wholly with right hand analog stick. All of the motion controls you can either use them the new improved motion controls, which I would definitely opt for if I was playing the game on the switch. Or you, you mean? can use them on the switch. Yeah, you can use the right analog stick or you can use the new improved motion controls which is what i would do personally when this got announced at uh was it around march time this got that they said they were, this was coming out i think it was during one of the nintendo directs around that time i was really impressed by the fact that the motion controls are in is, is it the the right the red controller if you've got the, if you've if got the got a a standard controller, one yeah, yeah. the right, the hand right, hand the right hand controller that's controlling your sword and the left hand controller is your shield is that right yeah that is yeah that is right actually yeah if you're if you're playing in motion controls you have a shield in your left hand left hand and a, a sword in your right hand people also took issue with that because traditionally link is left-handed oh. but because of the majority being right-handed they changed it uh, which is fine as far as i'm concerned but people took issue with that the shield if you sort of whip it forwards if you whip the left hand controller forwards then it'll put the shield up mm-hmm. and you can use that to defend yourself and also to deflect things back at various opponents that sounds now, great just before we yeah, it is great. It really is. It was great in its original guys, and I think it'll be even better in on the Switch. There is a genuine issue with motion controls that was never really addressed, certainly throughout the Wii's lifespan, and that is accessibility. There are people that can't physically do yeah. motion controls, and for those people, I think if the if the analog stick were to allow them to access the game, then that's a step forward. Mm. And if there'd been a control scheme that allowed again uh, further accessibility, then I would have been wholly supportive of that. But that wouldn't have been a case of getting rid of the motion controls for those people that wanted them. Yeah, so I've said about the visuals, haven't I? Yes. I don't know if I was hyperbolic enough because actually I think this game looks absolutely gorgeous for the most part. The story behind the visuals was actually an inter- a semi-interesting one. They were very aware of the fact that the Wii was a standard definition system and we were in a great period of technological upheaval yeah. and people were moving from CRT, standard definition televisions to HD, high definition plasmas and LCDs. The Wii did not fare very well on a lot no. of those screens. There was a what they called the Vaseline effect. I had to, the, when I first got Netflix, I was accessing it through my Wii and I watched all. You gave up? No, I watched all of Breaking Bad uh, through on, on Netflix through the Wii. Then I happened to. Uh, it was when the that sequel film came out about 18 months ago and watched that on Netflix through my TV because of, mm. you know, times have changed. And Oh, I can actually see things happen now because all I remember from Breaking Bad, watching it in the Wii, well, firstly, it's fantastic, but it was just so dark because the Wii video output just could not handle it at all. Yeah, I had those cables that allowed you, I think it was a component. I can't remember. I'm I'm not good on the back of televisions. Component composite, the one that has green, red, blue, yellow, and whatnot. No idea. I'm, five, I, five instead of three cables that go into the back of the television. I think I'm worse um, than you I had, at this. I, I had an HDMI converter. Is that what you're going to say? Huh? I, I, well, I had, it's a kind of HDMI converter. It was the same It was the same set of... You could buy a cable for the Wii that had the same set of cables that attached the, X, the original Xbox 360 to the back of a television. It had five inputs. That One was blue, one was red, one was green, one was uh, white, and one was another red, I think, Pews. for audio. And I don't know. Um, but you could get that and it, it sort of tightened up the uh, and cleaned up the visuals a little bit sort of got rid of the slight smudginess of of the image but even then it wasn't 
you know even close to what the wii u could put out or certainly the xbox 360 and the playstation 3 that were contemporary mm-hmm. to to the wii at the same time when they made this game they tried to take into account the fact that there was this discrepancy between what they would like things to look like and the setups of most people's television mm. systems so they went for this impressionist style because it meant that if you did have a television that didn't do the we any favors then actually in the backgrounds you would have these slightly blurry images so slightly blurry buildings in the background or whatever but because they had gone for a style that was impressionist in the first place which used blocks of color that were sort of smudged and blurred together as a as a point of style they sort of overcame the problems inherent in their inability to correct people's home setups anuma as well said that the skies i don't know i don't really know art very well either i'm about as good at art as i am at the back of televisions but anuma said that the skies in skyward sword were a tribute to cezanne who is an impressionist painter as well? While you were talking, I'm trying to think impressionism. I'm thinking Monet Waterlys. Is that impressionist? Monet, yeah, yeah. that is, yeah. C- Cezanne, however you pronounce, is, is an artist I know, but I couldn't name a single painting yeah. by that artist. It wouldn't be my specialty on Mastermind, I can tell you that much. No. I like the fact they've, they've taken a weakness of the hardware and turned it into a selling point. That's very astute of them. Yeah, exactly. Can I just. Uh, clear up as well i'm just thinking about the chronology of, of sort of the the hardware and the games as well so twilight princess came out on the gamecube as well as the wii because it came out at the start of the wii's didn't yeah okay good i know that breath of the wild came out on the wii u and the switch at the same time because it was the end of the wii u at the start of the switch this is obviously straddling end of wii start of wii u did it come out on the wii u no it didn't right no. it came out significantly before for significantly enough before the Wii U that they uh, made it a Wii only and because it uh, they obviously had different uh, very different selling points between the Wii and the Wii U in terms of they had that asymmetrical gamepad thing that they wanted to push and I suppose we're talking about the hardware side of it if if you're supposed to have a a sword in your right hand you couldn't do that with the Wii U gamepad could you no not really I I mean the Wii U worked with Wiimotes but I think they would have wanted to steer clear from from putting out a big selling game yeah big selling series that used Wiimotes when the thing that they wanted to tout was this brand new gamepad and all of the different possibilities that I opened up incidentally another thing that was overlooked and uh, underused the uh the Wii U gamepad, but never mind. The reason I questioned that was firstly just to clarify that in my head, but also I suppose because this therefore means this is the first time people have been able to really access Skyward Sword, this upcoming remake, remaster, whatever you want to call it, since the the Wii ended. Uh, was the Wii U, was it 2012 that came out? I think it was 2012, yeah. This came out in November 2011. It might have even been 2013. I didn't know I was going to be asked this, so I didn't check, but I, let me just check. I remember friends bringing his Wii around for me to have a toot on and that would have been Christmas time 2012 so it would have been around that sort of time I was just the point I'm making is is that enough water has passed under the bridge for this to be quite a, a significant remaster and something that I think will be quite appealing to lots of people yeah so uh, trying to trying to get back onto the rails that I'd set for myself before this started. It's always the case, isn't it? You set out down, you set down path to follow and then it all goes out the window as soon as you start talking. But there have been significant change well, I say significant changes. There have been beneficial changes that have been made to the game that we already know about that have addressed some of the weak sides, some of the uh 
detrimental sides of of the game so they've actually put a a trailer out this last weekend uh, that was all about quality of life improvements Um, so I'll run through those for you this game the visuals have been tidied up so there's one of them and actually we got a new 4k television uh, the other day and I have seen trailers for this game for I've seen trailers for Skyward Sword HD before we had this television and then I saw a trailer for it on this television and it really looked nice I, I, i'm not saying it's because it was a 4k tv but it's just that i've re- i've noticed it it's, it's big tv and i've noticed just how nice everything was looking on on the most recent trailer great it's gonna run at 60 fps solid apparently which you shouldn't be surprised at i suppose because it's a 10 year old game motion controls they've been improved so hopefully those people that were having problems getting it to work in a one-to-one fashion it will be on point now for those people there is also and they didn't actually mention this in the in the trailer there's an autosave function so oh, that's good i don't know if you turn it on and off when you start the game or whether it's just one single save file out of the four that you have access to but you you get an autosave here or breath of Breath of the Wild, by comparison, having played it today, it sort of is every two or three minutes it automatically saves. It does, yeah. Whereas in this one, you had to actually find a save point. Uh, they were fairly ubiquitous, but... Um, it's that accessibility, isn't it? Exactly. It's what people get used to yeah. and what people want. And I'm I'm not averse to a decent autosave function. Fi. So Fi is another sticking point for people, or was, for people who actually played the game or tried. Are you aware of who Fi is or Not Fee? at all, no. So Fi, without... I'm going to try and not spoil things as we start digging into the game a little bit more in the next 20 minutes or so. Fi was a character who is the spirit of the Goddess Sword. So she lives inside the Goddess Sword. She was also the Navi character uh, who helped you along. But people had an issue with her interrupting you at every turn. I think of all the criticisms that might be levelled at the game, that is one of the most valid. People just thought that she was overly helpful she was still giving tutorial text in i think i i don't remember this personally but i heard this said the other day uh, she was still giving tutorial text in the final dungeon <laughs> excellent and when you're still giving tutorial text in the final dungeon maybe you need to scale things back so they've reworked her it's still not absolutely clear how she works whether whether she in, is insistent on you listening to her or whether it's some kind of optional how invasive it might be i i don't know but it might be something like what they implemented in Bowser's Fury with Bowser Jr., where you could toggle how helpful he was. There was persistent, there was where he didn't help you whatsoever, and then there was a middle mm. ground between them. So I played it with the middle ground, and he was genuinely quite helpful. He'd be pointing out items that I hadn't noticed that were hidden, for example. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah, that would be an interesting route forward, and, and probably should be the way that they do it but whether they do or don't we'll find out maybe in a couple of weeks the next one for me is a a literal game changer because they have done what they've called streamlined item information sounds very fancy what it means is that when you pick up an item any kind of item you know in a zelda game you pick an item up and it'll give you an uh, a a little blurb uh, description of what that item is and why it might be good well in this game every time you saved and turned the console off and started the game up again on the same save file it would tell you again what each of those items was Mm. so over the course and that counted for things like rupees and Mm. monster collectibles a big part of the game is catching insects and cat and and grabbing these monster collectibles that can then be used to fiddle with your equipment and and craft 
craft things. And there were 20 or 30 probably of them just off the top of my head across those two categories, plus the rupees, plus bombs, plus stamina, flowers, and, and everything. Absolutely every item. If you picked it up, it would put that blurb back on the screen and it would be another, you know, five seconds. But over the course of mm. a 40-hour playthrough, because this game is about 40 hours probably, over the course of that, you might read about the one rupee piece, the five <laughs> rupee piece, the, the 10 and, oh, sorry, the 20 rupee piece, the 10 rupee piece, 50. You might read about them, I don't know, 20, 40, 50 times each, depending on how how often you played it and how many chunks you played this game in. They've got rid of all that. So it will tell you once and once only. Good. (laughs) As far as I'm aware. So all of that is gone. And that was the most, that was the biggest, and again, most valid, I I personally think, most valid criticism of the game. And that is fixed. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two things are a bit naff. So they, they you can fast forward dialogue, which you couldn't do in the original, which I thought was a bit weird when I realized that. And you can skip cutscenes, which I wouldn't advise people to do if they were playing this game for the first time. People like to hammer through things, don't they? And miss out on the nuance of the plot and script. Each to their own. I certainly wouldn't recommend that for this because actually the... So we're going to get into the meat of the game now. I will do my best not to spoil major things, but I do want to give an example of at least one puzzle and at least one boss. I will... Between us talking about it and me getting my groovy mitts on the game, I will have forgotten. Well, it's not just for you. I was just letting everybody that was listening know. Oh, sorry, yeah. I know. I'm being very selfish with that. You're right. Exactly, yeah. I've already said that this game had some of the best dungeons in the series, some of the best bosses in the series. It also had some of the most well-realized and rounded characters and character relationships in the series. So I mentioned Groose at the beginning and him being antagonistic towards Link. They are actually potential candidates to be knights in the Loftwing Air Force, you know, like the Skyloft Air Force, Mm -hmm. which is all the ones that ride the birds. And Groose has his two little um, henchmen and they're they're sort of small-time bullies who are antagonistic towards Link and give him a hard time and they hide his loft wing so he can't take place, take part in um, an important ceremony and so, such things. A bit like uh, Crabbe and Goyle in Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. And actually his arc is, to some extent, is is similar to Draco Malfoy's, actually, Groose's. He is antagonistic and annoying, but by the end he has, well, he softens towards the protagonist, Link, and uh, he actually becomes an ally of Link's right. um, and helps him in the fight against uh, the actual ultimate evil which is demise and everything that comes along with demise similarly there are this is probably the best version of zelda zelda is an adventurer as much as she's a princess in this and she is strong-willed and determined um and is involved in the adventure even though you don't get to play her which is a shortcoming potentially for a lot of people even though you don't get to play her she is intrinsic to the journey and the events of that journey and she makes difficult choices on camera as well as off that then show character development throughout the game and so on and so forth it keeps going the the, the actual antagonist that you spend most of your time being antagonized by Girahim he is a really I mean I mean he's a breath of fresh air in a lot of ways because he's not Ganon or Ganondorf mm-hmm. he is quite zany quite strange but very f- full of character and he does wind you up <laughs> to some extent like he's quite a he's quite a brash confident fop probably the best way to put it and you you meet him several times through the game and he he pushes your buttons so yeah he, he is uh, quite well realized for the for the baddie in a Zelda game as well. So that's one of the strong points of the game. The bosses, just very well realized. They are integrated into the items and, and how you use the items very, very well. Uh, one of the best bosses in Zelda 
all time is Koloktos, who is in one of the main dungeons. He is a giant clockwork figure who is, he probably stands about 20 feet tall, made out of brass or copper or something. He has six arms and six swords, six giant swords. And in that, so here's the spoilers. If Koloktos doesn't already count as a spoiler, in this dungeon, you get given a whip, which is a perfect motion control mm, weapon. That sounds isn't cool. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Um, and in the boss battle, you have to, Kloktos is stood towering over you in the middle of the arena and he has his six arms flailing about and you have to whip the arms and wrench them off his body. That sounds uh, great. One at a time. And then it gets better because halfway through the battle, he sprouts legs and he's running around after you in this arena, uh, running around after you with these six flailing swords trying to attack you, throwing swords at you, slamming swords into the ground to try and hit you. And you have to wrench his arms off, grab one of his giant swords and then slice his body in half to get rid of his legs and then take him apart as as uh, things go. It's phenomenal. Really, really fun. And also a little bit like, whoa, at yeah. times. So, and that isn't the only one. There's, I, this is the only other one that I'll tell you. So there's another one called Tentalus. T-E-N-T-A-L-U-S. Tentalus, uh, his boss fight is set on a ship and there's a storm going on at the time and Tentalus is a giant tentacular cyclops type character who has hundreds of arms and he thrusts the arms he is about 100 feet tall and he's towering above you and as he's towering above you sort of giving you the eye you're running around on this ship's deck and his arms are thrusting up and wiggling around and you have to go and slice them off each one it's phenomenal really fun that one that's probably the best it's very atmospheric it's brilliant it's really in every aspect it's good the gameplay aspect is the best though and it's just it's just classic after classic when it comes to bosses the dungeons so Kaloktos's dungeon is widely regarded even by people that don't rate the game widely regarded as probably the best dungeon in Zelda the, the best of any Zelda the best wow. dungeon in Zelda high praise and it's a water temple oh um. so yeah exactly so the water temples for anyone that doesn't know are generally regarded as the worst <laughs> Uh, dungeons in Zelda and this is uh, this is one of the best so that maybe sets your bar for where this this game is hitting because it is by no means the only good one there are lots of them on top of that though the world is divided into these three areas there's a, a wooded area desert area and a volcanic area and three doesn't sound like many but actually those areas you see them change in very specific ways so uh, again spoiler um you go to the woods at the beginning of the game it's the first place you go as it often is in a zelda game you go to the woods and it's a woods it's just a woods later on in the game towards the end of the game the woods gets flooded and where you were running around the woods in very normal ways uh navigating the woods in very normal ways at the beginning of the game you are then swimming through a flooded version of that same area and it totally changes the way that you access the entire area it's quite a large area to be flooded as well sounds very clever the fact that it's taking something that's been established and then so it's about the amazon rainforest about that that floods and obviously changes it completely yeah similarly similar things happen certainly in the desert so i won't talk specifics about that but there's an element of time travel that is implemented very very well in the desert and and makes you have to reconsider the desert as a space. That's all I'll say. Cool. What else is there? Oh, yeah. So this is the only Zelda game that... Th this has become a talk at you, hasn't it? That's fine. Well, I know nothing about the game, so... Yeah. Let me take a breath. Are there any questions at this point? Nothing you've covered... Uh... 
everything I would want to ask, to be honest, so far. Okay, so I've got a couple more things that I want to try and sell you on. Then Skyward Sword is the only Zelda game that has created in me actual tension and anxiety, <laughs> like real stuff, <laughs> because it has these moments that are called silent realms and these spaces have you heard of silent realms you've you've got a, a look i think you were showing me when i came around to your house i think it was a silent realm that fateful summer of 2011 mm. silent realms are terrifying in my head at least they are you know i'm not massively good with scary games and scary scenarios in games anyway but silent realm and silent realms are probably my limit but they're probably only my limit because i was absolutely determined that i was going to play past these barrier points uh, in the game because a silent realm if you you haven't played twilight princess so i can't refer to that but silent realms are stopping points where you have to you have to go from the normal world of hyrule into these silent realms that are like darkened twilight versions of, of these same three or four spaces uh, the woods the volcano and the desert you have to go into these realms and collect like little pearls of light and now i think there are 15 pearls of light in the silent realm you have to run through and collect all of them in order to then progress to get to the dungeon okay right that sounds a bit like link between worlds where you have the light version and dark version of the same landscape is it similar at all yeah it is the the inspiration actually came from twilight princess which i was going to say about because the you collect these little bugs um in uh, tears i think they're called in twilight princess you have to collect 12 or 15 of those in order to progress to uh, the first three dungeons so they took that and they also they, they bound it with a link to the past dark world mm. they sort of pushed them together to create these silent realms the wrinkle with these silent realms is you aren't alone in them you've got these very very large towering figures that are called, i think they're called guardians and they're there to protect these balls of light and as soon as you collect them a timer starts whereby these guardians then start to chase you mm. you also if you get into the vicinity of these guardians and they and you get into their eye line they will chase you and the only way to stop them is to collect another ball of light so if you're far away from them that being chased that aspect is terrifying genuinely terrifying and it made me i had to work up courage to do the silent realms to be honest because i i just genuinely hated being chased by these guardians hannah hated it so much that i had to do them for her there you go that's the kind of right fear that it induces on a slightly lighter note and actually on my last note unless you've got any questions uh this is the first zelda game to have an orchestrated soundtrack oh nice so yeah it came off the back of galaxy 2 super mario galaxy 2 that was fully orchestrated and they decided that because it had gone down so well for that they would do it for uh, for this zelda game the soundtrack is as a result i mean it was already very good in previous zelda games but the soundtrack here is on another level it's just amazing. The limited edition version of the game came with the soundtrack on a disc for the 25th anniversary. And me and Hannah used to have that disc in the car so that if we were going anywhere that we'd never been before, or if we ever got lost, we'd put the Zelda CD on and it would be like having an adventure. <laughs> it really it really worked. We got lost a couple of times while we, while we were in that phase. And it really worked to sort of reorientate the tone of being lost. <laughs> so It's a nice little story. You can actually listen to the entire thing on youtube but i think we could probably share a, a link to that when we are doing our follow-ups for this episode yeah so yeah i'd recommend it. it's brilliant but everything's on youtube these days isn't it everything yeah the last last thing uh to say is that this game was one of several actually at the time that were advertised with robin and zelda williams all right in the adverts do you remember those is it where they're sat on a sofa 
playing. Yeah. Yeah. And they were playing and they had like little banter between each between them. I think it was this and uh, Four Swords on the DS and possibly uh, another one, but I can't remember if I'm just sort of misremembering that, but definitely this one. Um, again, I've got that for us to share in the follow-up to this episode, but I just thought it was a nice uh, little thing. Robin Williams was uh, very famously into uh, the Zelda games. He named Zelda his daughter after the games, as opposed to Zelda Fitzgerald or something like that. When he died, there was an outpouring from fans to mm. Nintendo to see if they might memorialize him in Breath of the Wild. And I can't remember how that worked out, but I, I seem to think that actually there is a character that maybe is a reference to Robin Williams. Am I right in thinking that? Can you yeah, remember? I think, well, firstly, the, the advertising using Robin Williams mm. like that is very savvy and quite... Yeah. He's a genuine fan. Yeah. I, I'd I, be tempted to... I think I think there's a temptation to call it cynical. No, but actually, I, I think it comes from a place of genuine... Yeah, this is... Yeah, not many people did not like Robin Williams, let's be honest. So that was... That's what I mean. It's quite savvy. International treasure. Absolutely. At the time, he wasn't massively... No. He, he wasn't massively in the limelight. I think possibly by choice. He wasn't making a great deal of films. And so it wasn't like getting... I don't know who is a, a good equivalent these days it's not like getting the big thing of the time to advertise your stuff it's getting someone who is known loved Mm. and genuinely invested in what you're making to advertise i thought it was a really touching thing to be honest i think there is a reference to robin williams in breath of the wild because neither of us could remember we've just gone off uh, and had a little look so the actual details of the robin williams tribute are that there probably is one there is an npc on on death mountain that looks a lot like him like to an uncanny degree if you if you google robin williams breath of the wild tribute you will get to see it it'll be one of the first things that comes up he looks like him but at the same time nintendo have never actually specifically said that it is the tribute but actually i think that's a fairly tasteful way to to deal with yeah. it because going oh yeah look we did do what you asked um, yeah. and pointing directly at it, it it's maybe a bit tacky so leaving it on un- unspoken and for people to appreciate and yeah i think that's probably the right way to go about mm. it isn't it really uh, there's a hell of a lot more to say about the game um and I could talk about it forever, but actually there's a lot to spoil as well. I hope what I've shared with you has wet your whistle and that you're actually... Do you think you will be buying this game? 100%. I was quite excited about it before we started talking about it tonight. And uh, Okay, so it was a waste of an hour. No, no, you... I've come into this explicitly to get you to spend £50 and I didn't need to. Mm, I was... I was wavering. Now I'm cemented. Oh, you're just trying to be nice to me, aren't you? No, not at all. Okay. Before we wrap up then, you said that this is your favourite Zelda out of all of them. Did I say that? I mean, if I said that, I might have been being hyperbolic. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you why that was or to quantify. Would you say it's top three then? I think it's very difficult for me to say, oh, I like this one more than this one or whatever, because I think that they all have their own. The beauty, I think, of the Zelda series is that as much as they have a a certain bent and and do things a certain way or have up to a point, they also all carve their own little paths and do things very differently. So Majora's Mask is nothing like Wind Waker, is nothing nothing like actually Skyward Sword and so on. Case Perfect case in point is Breath of the Wild, which took everything that people would have superficially said was a Zelda, was the Zelda formula and, and basically did away with it or restructure it restructured it to such an extent that you couldn't see those constituents very clearly anymore and yet you know you only have to play it for 30 minutes and and you get that same zelda feeling that you get from any of the others so yeah i think that the zelda series is what is is one of
of, if not my favourite gaming series. And Skyward Sword is definitely as good as the very best of any of the Zelda games and deserves, if this is the time that it gets its second wind then it fully deserves it. I'm hoping that this gets recognised by the mass in the same way that it did by by critics because it certainly has a lot of people that really love it and it certainly has a lot of people that malign it whenever the, the chance comes up and I think there's more to love than to malign. So if it can turn a few heads or turn a few or change a few minds this time around then I'm I'm certainly championing it and I'm certainly pushing for that to happen hopefully. Is that a good answer? Or? Yeah that was that was great. If Ashley has swayed you towards buying as well, please do come and let us know. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the game when it comes out next week. Do you remember it as fondly as Ashley does? Or are you maybe one of the people who didn't like it? Come and let us know. Thank you for listening. Sorry, it was a talky one. I hope you enjoy the game as well, Chris. And you'll be able to tell me in a couple of weeks time if you do. Absolutely. The only thing that I would say to anybody that is listening, if they haven't changed this, and I'm talking to you as well, Chris, now, if they haven't changed the beginning of the game, there is a fairly extensive lead into the game of about two to four hours, I think, where you're not really getting, you're not getting into the adventure. You're sort of listening to characters, getting all of those little character dynamics set up. So push through that. If that's not your cup of tea, just push through it because what's beyond that will almost certainly be your cup of tea. I I personally, I enjoyed all of that. So I don't know, I'm a weird one. And as Ashley said, if this week's episode has been a bit too talky for you, not enough bleepy bloopy talky about a game, next week we'll be back to normal for our 70th episode Mm -hmm. where we will be looking at a game neither of us have played previously as is tradition with our multiples of 10. So join us for that. I'm looking forward to that one. Thank you ever so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.